Hello, I'm Arnold Hamilton, editor of the Oklahoma Observer. And I'm Marianne Martin. And this is ObserverCast, your weekly deep dive into Oklahoma politics and policy. Presented by the Mary Lou Lemon Foundation. Oklahoma legislators have 16 weeks to get it right during the legislative session to concentrate on the concerns and issues that our state honestly, truly faces. But if history is any indication, there's a next to zero chance they will. Just over 2,000 bills were filed last week for the regular session beginning the first Monday in February. Add in approximately the 350 bills still sitting on general order from last year, Eligibility pulled up and voted on really at any time, and there's a high probability for shucks bills, floor amendments, all sorts of parliamentary slights of hand to happen straight out of the gate. Did I mention it's also an election year? Now the chances for a deeply unserious session sit at 100%. For an overview of the filed legislation and what we might see in the coming weeks, we invited the Frontiers investigative reporter to Clifton Adcock to join us today to give us some insight on the legislative shenanigans to come and what they tell us about the current state of government in Oklahoma. Clifton, it's so great to see you today. It's been a while, but I'm so glad to see you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure, Uh, I'm uh, the senior reporter for The Frontier. We're a nonprofit investigative uh, journalism organization. We're based in Tulsa, but we've got a lot of reporters in Oklahoma City too. Uh, So I've been there since about uh, 2017 and uh, just doing various investigative projects. Um, one of my uh, things I like to do uh, every every year, the filing uh, season rolls around for this new legislation is kind of put out some of the weirder things that, that uh, show up uh, in the in the legislature. Yeah, and there's really no shortage of weirder things, especially oh, no. this year. Um, this year. <laughs> oh yeah, it's um, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about those, but, um, you know, I kind of wanted to draw the picture for why it's really important. I'm like, and, you know, just thinking like, why would an investigative reporter be digging into bills, right? Like, I mean, it's important, but it's not really, you know, they're, they're just snapshots, right? So why do you think it's important to kind of dig into legislation at the beginning of session every year? Well, to see kind of, it, it helps get the mindset of what uh, a lot of the legislators are thinking. Uh, you can uh, kind of see, you know, where they're heading toward with some of these things. Uh, a lot of times the important stuff doesn't actually get filed. It, it'll show up as a shell bill at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we'll get uh, amended and changed and stuff like that. Uh, so so one of the things I try to do is is, is look at these bills, uh, see what, you know, might end up uh, crossing paths with a, with a story I'm working on or a story that uh, some of the other journalists are working on. Uh, file it away and track it for the rest of the session, you know. Um, but also, like I said, to kind of get an idea of what uh, some of these legislators are thinking going into the session. I mean, so really you're looking at the symptoms before the disease, yeah? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did. I saw, I, 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 I'm like, okay, so you're a straight, like you're a real journalist and I'm a commentator. So I'm like trying to be like, <laughs> right, I'm trying right. to be like, cool, you know, chill, right? But um i don't want to put word in your mouth either but i mean so this is really just like the onset of the flu right you know this is like the body aches and all the little small things that kind of give us insight into the picture so do you have any sense of what some larger themes or trends this this session might be sure yes yes. so you're going to be looking at uh tax cut bills uh obviously stit that was uh, said that was a big um uh, issue for him uh, mm-hmm. And there's been several uh, tax cut bills that have been filed already. Um, you're also seeing a lot, of, uh, as usual, to do with firearms um, and, and things like that. Uh, you're also, or I've also seen uh, several bills that would change the uh, Energy Discrimination Elimination Act. Mm. Uh, some of those that would make it, uh, which it, just for those who don't know, uh, that's a bill that was passed back in 2022. Uh, that requires the state's pension systems, as well as uh, municipal governments, county governments, things like that, to divest uh, from uh, financial institutions that are deemed to be boycotting the energy industry. Okay. Um, 
And there, there are several bills that deal with that that would rein it in some where, you know, municipalities and counties wouldn't be affected. There's one that expands it to the timber industry, to agriculture, um, uh, mining, things like that. So if someone is de deemed to be boycotting one of those industries, uh, they could no longer serve um, uh, as a financial advisor or something to the state's pension system. Okay. And, okay. and by the way, this is an issue that uh, where legislative meddling has actually not gone so well, right? I mean, I, I think the most, probably the most classic example is Stillwater and, you right. know, and how, you know, being told they could not do business with one financial institution ended up costing the taxpayers a fortune uh, right. in, in additional costs, all for what amounts to political posturing. Now, are these public pension systems like in the state regulated like that? It, yes. Uh, and it's not just pension systems, right? I mean, it's. Right. That's it's, right. The way, the way the law is written currently, it uh, it also uh, it applies uh, to uh, pension systems, but it also applies to any level of state government as far as contracting goes. So okay. if you're a municipality that's uh, trying to take out some bonds or something like that, you couldn't deal with some of these financial institutions that wound up on the blacklist uh, because they were alleged to be boycotting the energy industry. Uh, so, and that's that's uh, kind of what Arnold was referring to there. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay. Where they, uh, yeah, ended up uh, losing out on some some bonding, had to end up paying more. Uh, but it also uh, affects the pension systems as well. You've got the uh, Oklahoma Law Enforcement Retirement System. You've got the uh, police pension system, which are two separate things. Uh, you've got uh, firefighters, you've got teachers, and then you've got uh, uh, the public employees, uh, OPERS, the Oklahoma Public Public Employees uh, Retirement System. And not only are they not able to contract uh, with some of these uh, blacklisted firms, but they can't uh, send pension money uh, to be invested by those firms or receive advice from those firms on how to invest that money. And they were looking at pensioners losing millions of dollars as a result of this, having to divest. Uh, they uh, Some of the pension systems, uh, especially OPRs, uh, ended up saying, no, it, it, for our fiduciary duty toward the pensioners, we're not going to divest. It was a big uh, row between them and uh, state treasurer Todd Russ, who came up with the list. And that's still going on right now. There's actually a court case out there um, where a uh, pensioner has sued uh, the state treasurer's office over this. And, and this is no small matter, obviously, for public servants who uh, who uh, probably never expect to get rich, but um, um, sort of offset that in their minds with the with the benefits that they receive, one of which are these defined pension plans that are going to be there for them when retirement comes along. So th this is a huge issue. Is it equally a huge issue to oil and gas, though? <laughs> like, does it, do, I mean, do they really see it on their end? I, I don't know. Do we have an answer to that? But I'm just like, what, what is the actual impact for the, for oil and gas? Right. Uh, I, I, I best it compared to the pensioners. Right. I, I don't know if you're seeing a big impact to oil and gas. Um, you know, a, a lot of this, um, comes back to the ESG, which is uh, environmental, social uh, governance, um, mm -hmm. investment strategies. And that has kind of become a boogeyman uh, for a lot of folks. And they, you know, are trying to do away with that. I don't know if doing away with that would actually help the energy industry any, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's hard to say, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, um, I don't think the, it's, you know, one for one impact. Uh, on pension systems versus um, energy companies. So these tax cut bills, um, do you have some of the legislators' names attached to these tax cut bills? Because you know that's got to come out of Roger Thompson and Kevin Wallace, right? Right, right. So, I mean, who are some of the other players that are wading into this? Oh, I don't have them necessarily offhand. Well, do we need do we need to say anything more than the speaker himself? I mean, when the speaker is pushing tax cuts, right. I mean, okay, that, that sends a pretty strong signal, right? Right, right, and that and usually when it's the speaker, that's the legislation that gets picked up and uh, run with, you know. Well, and it's um, and you know, there's always like the hierarchy to the legislation, right? You know, I mean, the, the author that takes it really gives you a sense of 
its probabilities of passing. And when it's the speaker or it's the Senate pro tem, you know, this is like the, the they do this as part of their clear, you know, policy agenda. Um, so it is interesting to see McCall standing side by side with the governor, given their quite tumultuous. Uh... <laughs> so I don't know. Do we think this is going to happen this session? I don't know. They well, they've called a special session to see if uh, the uh, eliminating the or cutting the state income tax goes anywhere. Um, and it doesn't sound like uh, Treat is fully on board with the governor calling this. So I don't know if it'll get done. If it doesn't get done in the special session, I, I don't know why it would get done in the uh, regular session. No, I don't think so either. If one how I mean, in Treat, you know, he keeps a close. He 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 punishes you if you don't, you know, go along with what he wants. So I can't imagine it getting through the Senate, even if it does get through the House. But you know, it's getting tighter in the Senate side. You know, in terms of the numbers, the, the people who are sort of the the hard, hard, hard right. For, you have to differentiate a little bit here. They're all hard right, but some <laughs> are really, 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 really hard right, and. Um, you know, in theory, the pro tem could get deposed if um, if he lost the support of enough members of of his caucus. So, yeah, I mean, I, I clearly, I mean, Roger Thompson's clearly not on board on this. But you know, so we have other people coming at it in different ways. And I saw, um, is it is it um, Senator? Uh, um, oh gosh, what's the guy from Kingfisher? Darcy uh, uh, Yick, yeah. Yeah. Um, who has legislation proposed that would rebate. When, when when there's too much money in the pot, they'd begin to automatically send checks back to the tax. To who? Bank. To the to right? people? Yes. Okay. Versus I mean that might you know what I mean by that, right? That might be a way around this whole issue. I'm I'm not a high finance guy, so I you know, I don't I, I'm a word guy, so I don't necessarily speak authoritatively on this, but it seems to me that might be an argument for saying, well, if you cut taxes, you know, it's it's hell to get them increased again, as we discovered firsthand just a few years ago. Uh, but this might be a way that when you have an excess, you can funnel some back to the taxpayers. And when things go south, you still have your income tax rate at a higher level than you would if you went along with tax cuts. I don't know, just a thought. Am, mm. I, am I misreading that? I, I don't know. Interesting. So, but I did kill the conversation. So you can, yeah, no. <laughs> you can thank me for that. I should receive some applause and appreciation no. for that. So, <laughs> no, I just, I just always feel like, you know, some of these. I, I hate. I'm sorry. I'm just going to call them backbenchers. You know, folks who aren't necessarily in positions of leadership. You know, they can put together these, you know, very bold pieces of legislation, and if it doesn't get picked up by you know, one of the big names, there, there's just no chance of it really, I mean, they can change. Like I know Rob Standridge, Standridge has stepped aside on some legislation before and never, you know, in order to, to get some like work on it. But I don't know, it'd just be interesting to see because I, I just know there's probably some new faces that are very, very eager to pass bills and, you know, to have their bills taken from them and, and assigned to a different author. Um, you know, it's not unusual. Um Okay, so taxes, divestment, what else are you seeing? Uh, we're seeing uh, a lot uh, to do with uh, schools, uh, mm. as well as like school security, things like that. Uh, you know, after uh, the Uvalde massacre, that uh, that kind of became a big issue here in Oklahoma as well. And you're seeing um, a lot of uh, legislators introduce uh, uh, bills dealing with that. So talk a little bit more about that if you can. I'm I'm curious what they're what they're thinking because you know traditionally that's been arming teachers is about the extent of what they do right so right right uh, a lot of uh let's see i can't let me pull one of these up real quick um, education act sorry i didn't have that pulled up right yeah no it's okay i mean like <laughs> i don't expect you to just like pull out 2000 bill numbers you know right <laughs> oh, man. there was a lot of bills yeah sure. i know <laughs> uh so let's see and I think it's fair to say Marianne and I are a little bit like the pinballs bouncing from bumper to bumper on these things. <laughs> right. so. But I know you've been in the, you know, the weeds on this, you know, organizing <laughs> this stuff. So, uh, right. so I'm like, 
yeah, I don't expect you to just be like, oh yeah, that's house bill, whatever, whatever. Right. Uh, it, one one uh, that I've seen a, a lot of um, uh, bills on is uh, like parental rights uh, mm. as far as uh, schools um, uh, allowing uh, like sex education stuff and things like that, uh, allowing people to opt in rather than opt out of it. Uh, that was right. one that was, there were several bills on that. Um, as far as the let's see, school security, sorry, let me pull this back up. I know there was one establishing. And while, while you look it up, I'll just say, you know, we just had the DOJ report come out in the past couple of days about, you know, the, the Uvalde debrief mm -hmm. wow. um, and just the absolutely devastating um, conclusions coming from that report um, in terms of the inaction and just the, the total flubbing, you know, devastating flubbing of the response. Um, so I, I'm really curious what... <laughs> um, our Oklahoma legislators might take away from, you know, school school protection in that way. Right. Uh, here's one by uh, uh, Roger Thompson. Um, okay. It would uh, take the um, the school security uh, revolving fund, and uh, I guess beginning J July first, twenty twenty four, statewide virtual charter schools shall not be included in the annual allocations uh, provided for in subsection C of this section. Um, that's, that's kind of one example of, of what they're looking mm. at. Obviously, virtual charter schools, uh, not a whole bunch of, uh, um, you know, brick and mortar, and mortar buildings yeah. to provide security for. So, I mean, that that makes sense. Um, here's another one. You've got uh, uh, Senate Bill uh, 1850 by Pew, mm. uh, which uh, would uh, require the Oklahoma School Security Institute to develop, develop and publish on its website school mapping guidelines and uh, for uh, both public and private schools in the state. Um, These would be available publicly? Yes. Uh, it would be, uh, it would be, uh, uh, yes, available on its website, mapping guidelines for uh, public and private schools in the state. Okay. So the guidelines, but not the actual maps. Right. Right. Okay. Sorry, that was a little terrifying for a second. The thought of, you know, <laughs> yeah. detailed maps yeah. available. and it's, It would seem to defeat the purpose. Exactly, right. Um, uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, what I'm seeing too, um, there, there's several bills dealing with uh, uh, homeless populations. Mm. Uh, and a lot of those are, you know, obviously uh, kind of lean toward the, like a business owner or something than, you know, than uh, an individual who might be in experiencing homelessness. Um, you're seeing uh, several of those. Uh, and, so we know, um, so that, I mean, in the context of what we know happened in Shawnee, of course, Senator Jett's hometown, right. you know, they banned, um, you know, was it, I don't, I don't think it was panhandling, but they just could not be um, helped, you know, in public spaces, uh, you know, how, how do the, how does some, how does some of this legislation kind of fit into that larger discourse? Is it, does it seem helpful or does it seem like it's penalizing, um, being unhoused? A lot know? of it seems like it's penalized, uh, penalizing right. being unhoused. Um, it would, uh, I've seen a few that would submit them to, uh, like, uh, regulations as far as like waste disposal and stuff like that. Mm. Um, uh, and there's several, uh, several different uh, uh, pieces of legislation that deal with quote poor persons, you know, and and a lot of those are uh, geared toward the homeless population. Ah, oh boy. So, um, how about mental health? What have you noticed about mental health? Because that makes me think of any any things we might be doing in that in that front for our state, which we know again we have. Um, uh, for low access to mental health providers, we've seen the, um, which I the the uh, the absolute crisis um, in Greer County, right? With that, the hospital there or the facility there. Um, any sort of how are how are we dealing with this? If there's any legislation on it that you know of? Yes, yeah, so there's there's actually several pieces of legislation. Um, a lot of them by boatmen. 
Uh, mm, okay. I didn't do several. Um, let's see. I can pull a couple of these up real quick. Uh, boatman, right? We only have one boatman in the legislature right now, don't we? Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, there's House Bill 3451. Uh, that one. Um, let's see. Person. Yeah. So uh, it it kind of adds to the definition of a person that might be requiring treatment uh, mm. because of his or her mental illness or uh, drug or alcohol dependency. Um, uh, one of one of those uh, in House Bill 3451, one of the measures uh, would re require looking at the person's uh, past, right? Uh, verifiable, relevant past history, opposing, you know, risks of harm to themselves or others, um, uh, including uh, property, it looks like, uh, to be considered a person requiring treatment. Um there's also uh, House Bill 3449, uh, which uh, would, on the medical end of things, uh, try to add new psych psychiatrics, uh, psychological residencies, internships, uh, postdoctoral training programs mm -hmm. to try and attract uh, more, uh, you know, into the mental health workforce, mm -hmm. which Oklahoma is a severe shortage of right now. So this is a boatman bill? Yes. Does it have a funding mechanism for that? Oh, the zero it's a, yeah, revolving fund, state treasury, revolving oh. fund for university hospitals authority and trust right. be designated university hospitals authority and trust behavioral health workforce development fund. Hmm. Uh, Is that creating that fund? Yes. Okay. So kind of a side note, I didn't realize this until a couple of weeks ago that we don't currently have someone sitting at the head of ODMH. I didn't realize that Carrie Slatton Hodges had been, was no longer there. And so yeah. I imagine we need a, and, and that's an, is that, was that what, yeah, that was one of the ones that was appointed, right? That one of the sit took over and it was, um he, he has to appoint a leader. Right, right. Uh, I think there was a recent appointment. Um, I haven't seen anything about that. I didn't, I didn't know that she had stepped down. And it's just, um, it's something I, I, I pay, I, I noticed because Carrie Slatton Hodges looked like my former boss at OHCA, Carrie Evans. And so, um, you know, they were just like, yeah, it, it was kind of a joke. And so for her, you know, to not be in that, but it's in the same breath and this may have been thanks to the lost ogle. So here's the lost ogle getting credit for this when they pointed out, you know, um, state agencies and how basically Stitt's front office has become, you know, the head of n numerous agencies. Um, but this, the, you know, DMH is such that, so that's the department of mental health and substance abuse services for those who don't know, you know, I mean, they're the ones who really wrangle a lot of this in the state. It's also something that's managed through the state, not through, you know, private contractors or managed care with the changes in, you know, Medicaid coming with man the advent of managed care, by and large in the state of Oklahoma. I mean, there could be widespread implications for changes in leadership at DMH, but also, you know, different contracting roles, different provider roles, um, access to providers in the state when we have such poor access to mental health care. Um, and our jails really serve as the front line if you're in, you know, having a mental crisis. So, um, so anyways, just something that will be interesting to see how they, if they try and tackle that. Yeah, uh, you were, you were correct, Marion. They have not, uh, to my knowledge, appointed anybody yet, uh, to head DMH. So we might see that in the coming weeks, perhaps during the session, since that would have to have Senate approval. Right. So, right. um, yeah, so that, that will be interesting. Yeah. There's also another, uh, mental health related bill, um, by uh, State Rep uh, Rosencrantz, Jason, uh, yeah. Jacob mm -hmm. Rosencrantz. Uh, that's House Bill 1035, uh, which would allow students uh, uh, to uh, get an excused absent from school uh, if they're uh, to go to mental health counseling or occupational therapy appointments. Okay. Therapist. So. That's yeah. Kind of so you know, this kind of weaves a whole picture about the state of things in our state, right? Like. The lack of access, the need for mental health care, just the overall arching services surrounding all of this and what the infrastructure is being put in place um, through bills like this, because we still need to build that infrastructure statewide. So that's really interesting. Um, okay, so let's see. Taxes. 
um, mental health, <laughs> uh, schools. Um, so first, is the grocery sales tax rollback dead in the water? Do we know? Mm, I don't know. I like I said, there's multiple, multiple shell bills out there that it could show up. Okay, in. that could become anything. Yeah, yeah, it could it could show up again for sure. Let's see. Like, um, don't don't call it dead until sign. Yeah, out. until yeah, until session <laughs> until they gavel out. Right. No, no, and and remember, you know, part of the part of the issue of that, and the state the state can eliminate its portion of the tax, and there's still a, then look. Well, Local governments still can continue to impose it and need it in most cases mm -hmm. to sort of operate. So that's part of that whole discussion about a a fairer, more sustainable uh, tax system in this state. One that you know where tax income tax cuts disproportionately benefit the wealthiest among us. Uh, we really need to be looking at ways that we can um, sort of level the playing field, and that gets to be awfully tough for these. Uh, for these legislators who rely so much on big uh, campaign donations to stay in office. So, you know, mm -hmm. and of course we've seen, you know, both sides of the argument with the, the grocery sales tax, right? I think I've said it multiple times when we moved back to Oklahoma 10 years ago and moved back to a grocery sales tax from not having one for eight years. It's like, Holy crap. I mean, it was a big, it was a big chunk of our grocery bill. You know, it was really shocking, but at the same time, you know, okay, policy coming out against rolling it back because it cuts revenue without making up for revenue. Um, you know, so just a measured approach on both ends. Um, I mean, who who thinks that's actually going to happen? I don't, but um, <laughs> let's see. So uh, let's see. How about um, education bills? We talked a little bit about schools, but um, any big ticket thoughts? Uh, let's see, school vouchers is usually one. Um, teachers, um, teacher pay raises. I I know Stitt said this last week that until there's an income tax cut, he's not increasing pay for state workers. Um, how about school? How about schools? What's going on with that? Uh, well, there's there's a lot. It's kind of a mixed bag. I I do recall seeing one. Um, I believe it was a school uh or teacher pay increase pay bill. Raise. Uh huh. Yep. Right. Uh, but but there's there's also uh, a lot of um, a lot of library bills I've seen uh, <laughs> dealing with the uh, yeah, dealing with uh, removing uh, uh, school libraries and public libraries uh, affiliation with the Oklahoma Library Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were multiple bills on that. Um, you've got a lot uh, dealing with, like I said, uh, like sex education. Uh, things like that. There's some, you know, dealing with um, uh, there's, there's a few, like one, one is um, establishment of a two-year pilot program to provide childcare to employees. Uh, so, you know, it's not all like culture war stuff, but uh, there is a substantial amount of that culture war stuff in there. So it, it it's interesting because what I do know is that the um, ALA, the, the American Library Association, it, it is very bold. You know, I mean, it does really push the envelope, but it, it's all in the name of information literacy, right? You know, and access to information. Um, but you can obviously see why, <laughs> you know, that would be an affront, right, to a lot of the right wing kind of culture warrior types. Um, but it, it doesn't at all equate to like access to pornography or anything, right? It's just, you know, access to information and making good judgment about information. Um, but at the same time, I mean, it's just, it just seems like a very niche, like a very, very um, granular way to kind of attack our libraries and the access to information in schools is to go after the OLA and the ALA, because who really knows about that? Right? Oh, okay. My cat just let herself in. Okay. The dog was scratching out the door and now the cat let herself in. Okay. But, um, so, I mean, I don't think most of Oklahomans, much less Americans, would know anything about the ALA. Right. So, right. someone that is here definitely about that. Right. It, it's sort of the next step in the whole pornography in schools mm -hmm. argument that's been happening. Um, you know, going after the ALA or or requiring them to sever connection with those with those groups. Mm -hmm. So. 
Interesting. Well, and of course, this time of the year, as we all know, it's, there's a reason it's called the silly season. I mean, there's all kinds of ridiculous, <laughs> preposterous things that are proposed that really are not going anywhere, but get a ton of attention at the start of the of the legislative session. Right. And, you know, we have to wait and see sort of how those things play out. The real the real meat on the bone stuff isn't isn't going to happen, unfortunately, till later. And, That's right. Unfortunately, in recent legislative history, much later to the point where very few have an opportunity to take a look at it before it's presented as a fait accompli and a and an up and down vote on you know mm-hmm. on the floors of the legislature. Um, so you know this is the time of the year where the Nathan Doms of the world and the Jim Olsons of the world and so forth roll out these bizarre, crazy, you know, notions of things. You know, everything from Olson, let's get the Ten Commandments in every classroom. And oh, by the way, it's it has to be a specific printing of it and it has to be a certain size and it has to be located and i mean you talk about micromanaging for god's sakes you know it's just unbelievable and then nathan dom with his shot across the news media bow you know i don't know i guess as long as he can continue to be elected state party chair he'll get some attention but um you know he's down to his last bit here and he's you know he's no longer going to have a spotlight (laughs) And so right. I guess he's going to milk it for all it's worth here the last right. couple of years. Uh, well, yeah. It, it, is there, it, have it, there it, been it. things that have been particularly crazy and crackpot that, oh. that you've seen? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, well, I said it. I said crackpot. Yeah, like we're not putting words in your but mouth. Are there, things, but... are there things that you've seen that raised a journalist's eyebrow? That, <laughs> yeah. Tell me more, you know. Obviously, the uh, Senate Bill 1837. Um, one which honestly has like zero chance uh you know uh, getting anywhere because the first amendment is a thing and um you know it, it, it not, would, in, not in nathan's is it, that was <laughs> it, it would it would require uh government licensing uh government drug testing and oh uh, government training uh to members of the press uh strangely though he he in the bill he only put in like uh uh, affiliates, local affiliates for uh, the broadcast station, CBS, NBC, ABC. All right, so all y'all print, all y'all print journalists. Wait, you're in the exactly clear. Good. I don't know. No more John Stewart coming here, sneaking in by the night. <laughs> the light of the moon and embarrassing the heck out of you. All right. Right, right. Oh, my God. And, yeah. And, well, and, 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 you know, you have Justin Humphrey, who still seems to think we need to worry about Hispanic gangs in this state. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're talking about House Bill 3133. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it would uh, require a terrorism label for anybody that is a member of a street gang convicted of a crime involved in a street gang. And then for Hispanics only, it, it says of Hispanic origin. Uh, so, someone that's in a street gang, someone's committed a street gated, uh, street gang crime, you get labeled a terrorist. And that allows them to go okay. after the financial so, stuff. So where where's this man from again? Is Eastern he's from Lane. He's from Lane, yeah. Yeah, down in uh, Push County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on now. Like, because I know there was that some, some ridiculous stuff going on in Okima. You know, but we don't know. We don't know what that was, but like, okay, so it's even past the Toka, so it's past the Speaker's District. Okay, uh, and it's just like, really. Right. Well, and this is another example, though. I mean, he's a he's a piece of work. I mean, I just don't know how. Yes, and he always has. You know, but this is a guy who. For all the crazy stuff he does, and I can say crazy, uh, we are an independent journal of commentary here, um, <laughs> as heralded on our on our masthead. Um, but he actually does some things, and he has he has some legislation this time that's trying to hold the criminal justice system to account for how not only it, you know the Department of Corrections handles inmates and so forth, but how people are prosecuted and handled. In, in ways that don't seem out of line. I mean, it, it seems remarkably refreshing. And I know he has a background. He was a, he, 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 I don't know, he was a 
parole officer or some, if I remember correctly, right. uh, you know, so he, he has some knowledge on this, but that's kind of one of those, well, you know, on the one hand, he does crazy stuff like this. And on the other hand, he, you know, he does some things that actually may have some merit. And I wonder he, if those sorts of things end up, because he, he's he, actually he ends up shooting himself in the foot because he's, he loses so, credibility, you know. In these yeah, yeah. I mean, wasn't he one of the legislators that was like first out of the gate, um, ahead of, uh, you know, asking for a commutation of a couple of sentences before That's this, right. right? Like, I mean, he was he was top of the list on that, and yeah. it's just like, good night. You know what? <laughs> You're all over the map, right? I mean, but I mean, I mean, so he's really been on the right side of things from a you know criminal justice side of stuff, and, and he's except uh, for this. Yeah, I, I, he's also introduced. Um, I, I I believe he was. Uh, he had introduced a, um, uh, a an interim study. Uh, he was he was trying to get an interim study, I believe, mm -hmm. that dealt with campaign finance stuff as well. Mm -hmm. uh, dark money groups, mm -hmm. organizations that are involved in election stuff, and uh, you know, kind of shedding light on that as well. But then you go back, and he's also the guy that did the Bigfoot hunting license. So <laughs> you know, he's so. all over the place, right? <laughs> It, it's it is it's interesting though because you know southeast oklahoma is like its own world right i mean it's it, after it, what we it, saw you know in mccurtain county i mean it is its own it's, a, it's, a, someone who's born did, and raised from there yes it is yeah. <laughs> did, did he also did he also introduce the effort to try to get cockfighting open back up again in oklahoma see this man yes. right he yeah, he was, yeah, he was one of the leaders in that. Yeah, very, very closely connected uh, with the uh, Game File Association. Yeah. Which it, it's just like it's its own culture down there. You know, I, I mean, I, I and as someone who kind of informally studies the state, right, I, it's not even a judgment. It's just like it's its own world. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> different values, ways of like approaching and understanding things. Um, and but I just I do remember when we went down to um, Broken Bow last uh memorial day a friend of ours who was a lawyer is like you be careful <laughs> the legal system is a little different down there i was like well thank god i don't get in trouble but you know <laughs> my mouth might get me in trouble before anything else but it's just it's just a different world you know i mean and, and the most I, beautiful part of the state in my opinion and yes you know, it is gorgeous <laughs> yes <laughs> what's your hometown yeah what's your hometown uh, Quentin. I, I graduated high school from Quentin, Oklahoma, but uh, I'm, I was born in Clayton. Okay. Is, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it, but it's, it's there about <laughs> 35 miles uh, southeast of McAllister. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm familiar with Clayton. South. I was not with Quentin. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. True southeastern Oklahoma there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's a different world. That's all. Mm -hmm. so yeah no but um okay so we have dom's crazy bills we got humphrey's crazy crazy uh, bills yeah there's there's a few more that, that were interesting um from uh dom's uh, on the campaign finance uh -huh. side um there was uh one let's see that would be doo -doo -doo. yeah that would be uh senate bill 2024 and that that one's kind of interesting because it's um, it would allow individuals, corporations, nonprofits to give unlimited donation to political parties, mm. uh, just eliminate the caps completely on there. And I, I haven't spoken with Dom, so I, I don't know his uh, reasoning behind it. Uh, but I, I know one concern of a lot of party people, um, not party people, I mean, political <laughs> party people, <laughs> uh, is the uh, is, um, how since the Citizens United decision, a lot of these uh, 501c4 dark money groups uh, have kind of taken over uh, the functions that a party used party used to perform. Uh, so that might be an effort mm. to get back uh, to that older way of doing things, or uh -huh. it might just be. It, I mean, it let's, is remember, let's remember too when he took over the state Republican Party. I think it was down to, I mean, like $130 in the checking account. I mean, some crazy thing like that. And, and that may have preceded him just a little bit, but there have been a lot of financial issues. And the Democratic Party can tell you about mm -hmm. what it's like to not have any money for sure. 
Right. But but it's interesting too, since he's been kind of a multi-failed candidate, right? Multi-run failed candidate. And, you know, this is like perhaps when hamstringing, you know, his attempts and like maybe Jackson Lehmeyer and stuff, right? Like his kind of cohort, you know, um, so that is really interesting. And really what the motives are there is to either unleash donations or to, you know, rein in the dark money who would run against candidates like his, um, in name of folks, that'd be more of a party line, you know, party line kind of individual. So that's right. That's crazy. Yeah. Hmm. So what about are there are there any um, um, bills that you come across that um, begin to sort of rein back in some of the authority that the legislature has ceded to? the governor's office in recent years going back to the to the Mary Fallon administration actually but that they they did when they tried to make nice with Kevin Stitt when he first was elected I know there's been a lot of talk a lot of grumbling and a lot of behind the scenes and we've got to find ways to bring some of that back because it hasn't worked out very well I just didn't know if anybody had I had not come across anything where somebody had actually put their name on the line and said we need to do this and and, and give the legislature more say. Yeah, there. It's as far as that goes. I haven't. I, there's a few holdover bills that I saw, like uh, dealing with DOC appointments. Right. Uh, but I, I didn't see a whole bunch of, um, bunch of those bills that would pull back uh, that executive power that the legislature has uh, been given over over the last decade. Um, you know, five years. So. I didn't see a whole bunch of those. There, there are a few though. Roger Thompson was even talking about that too, right? So, um, I mean, last session I seem to remember him just, you know, being pretty vocal about um, having ceded some some power. Um, and, you know, and to recap for listeners, of course, we've seen this with the State Department of Education, right? The way that they can steamroll anything um, and just basically rubber stamp whatever you know, Ryan Walters or the governor want through because he controls the board. Um, Department of Health is another example of, you know, it's been a really checkered, checkered history the past decade or so at the Department of Health. And yet, you know, there's there's limited oversight really for, by the legislature over what happens at Department of Health and, and so on. So huh, um, there's there's uh, there's one, out, at least one out there. Uh, House Bill 3060 uh, by uh, Stiegel uh, about the Veterans Commission. Mm, yes. Um, and uh, would I think that would send, let's see, appointing authority to, it looks like, yeah, the uh, the legislature as well as the governor's office um, on some of those. And, and it lays out certain requirements for those appointees as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a reminder, uh, when Joel Kinsel was given the boot last year, Joel Kinsel was also um, ran against it in the governor's race. I was former parliamentarian of the House of Representatives. Um, for those who don't know, he used to sit around and watch, you know, staff come and go to make sure they weren't late or, um, you know, leaving early. Uh, ask me how I know that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Kinsel, you know, he and Kinsel got pretty heated with one another to get booted from, you know, the, the VA. There's also been what, the, um, Tallahina, right? The Tallahina um, uh, facility, all sorts of, all sorts of drama with the VA. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. There's uh, there's one uh, as far as dealing with appointing authority, uh, Senate Bill 1395 by mm -hmm. uh, Pew here. That would uh, that would uh, expand the uh, Oklahoma Board of Education from seven to 11 members. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously it would have six appointed by the governor uh, and then uh, two from the pro tem's office. Looks like uh, two from the speaker's office. Uh, and then it looks like, um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, not sure who else would appoint there. I'm looking through it right now. Uh, yeah. Pro Tem, uh, speaker and the governor, uh, but it would, it would greatly expand obviously the number of, uh, votes mm -hmm. on that board. I mean, that would go a long ways towards kind of mediating that agency and, you know, kind of putting the brakes on a little bit. Have you seen much in the way also of, uh, I, I know there are a couple of things out there that, you know, this whole notion that somehow 
um, the state legislature can um, can move to nullify federal authority, uh, you know, in Oklahoma. And, um, um, you know, there there's one out there that, uh, oh, what's the state rep from uh, Eastern Oklahoma, Shakota? Um, oh, now I'm having a brain freeze here. Hayes, Neil Hayes, that, um, that would prevent the state from enrolling uh, or bar public schools from enrolling kids who are born in the U.S. to parents oh. who are not legal residents at the time. Right. And then there's also a, a, a nullification bill, a, a separate nullification bill, um, whenever the, as I understand it, whenever the legislature decides it's of a mind that it's not going to uh, acknowledge federal authority in these matters. Are we seeing more of that? That's sort of, that's really not culture war necessarily, but that's sort of part of that. Uh, it's it's a it's part of the MAGA movement is where I'm going. What it is, what it is, is it's it's hand in glove with this close down the border rhetoric, xenophobic rhetoric that targets immigrants, assuming they all come from Mexico. Um, because we assume any undocumented immigrants in the state of Oklahoma are Mexican and their kids are thereby guilty because of their folks, right? So, I mean, this is like the anti-dreamer movement. This is, I mean, uh, so just to deny even citizenship to, you know, United States born children. Um, and this, and I would say this is also in the same vein as like public charge rules, right? Like, um, where you basically get a knock against your record if you have to use public resources at any time as, as a non-citizen. Um, and so, I mean, just this idea of it's, it's a it's a de facto revocation of citizenship, if you think about it. Um, but but it's absolutely in line with all these governors who are hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from the southern border <laughs> saying we have a border crisis. This was literally the first paragraph of my dissertation. <laughs> so it literally was. Um, Maybe. Uh, uh... Neil and and uh, Hayes and and Jason uh, Justin Humphrey and Humphreys, yeah, right. I mean, just they this were perception, target brown people, <laughs> right? This perception that these workers who are coming and taking the jobs, folks, you know, white folks won't, are somehow this larger threat, and yet their kids are also it, It's all the same. It's all in the same basket. Um, I I also thought of too. So after the the governor's um, executive order in December for a review for DEI programs in the state. Do we have any legislation uh, putting that in statute? Oh, yes. There, yeah, there's okay. several. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we've got- Rob uh, Standridge, one of the authors. Yeah, he is. Yes, okay. <laughs> okay, knew it. So that's that's one one of several. Um, so, yeah, the uh, let's see. So there's, there's Senate Bill 1303 by Standridge uh, that would- uh, uh, direct an institution of higher education governing board to ensure certain actions related to diversity, equity, and inclusion do not occur. And then uh, we've got uh, Senate Bill 1305, uh, which uh, prohibits an institution of higher education from requiring, soliciting, or incentivizing uh, participation in certain practices and content. And that certain practices and content is um, deals with, yeah, DEI, dash CRT, right, which is, mm. you know, div uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm. and uh, so-called critical race theory content. Mm -hmm. it, it would bar universities from talking about that. Um, so he's got several, obviously he's, you know, there in Norman, he's got several uh, higher education he bills. Firming out, yep. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, Senate Bill 1306 uh, would require uh, prohibiting uh, higher education from requiring enrollment in certain courses. Obviously, those certain courses have to do with, with mm -hmm. diversity and stuff like that. So, apparently, we yeah. like to be humiliated on the national news when our frat brothers sing racist chants on charter buses. But you know, yeah. apparently, any other any other authors that stick out on these on these bills that you noticed? Uh, yeah, there was there was one uh, Senate Bill sixteen fifty nine. It's a voting bill. Uh, it's by uh, uh, Senator uh, Jack Stewart, 
it would require everyone, all voters in the state to re-register to vote um, uh, by 2025. Uh, so it wouldn't, you know, obviously take effect to the 2026 election, but uh, you would have to re-register to vote, uh, everyone who's registered now, and you would have to present a birth certificate in order to be eligible to vote after that. Um, that's an interesting one. We've uh, I've kind of seen that uh, something like that before in the past, uh, but it's it's you know still getting introduced. So, hmm. uh, and then uh, another. Uh, I hate to keep going back to the the Dom well, but uh, here's <laughs> but it's here's ever one, deep. Um, <laughs> right, right. Uh, Senate Bill eighteen oh two, and and like I said earlier, this is this is one of those. You kind of try to figure out where their mindset is going into mm -hmm. this. Um, the Senate Bill 1802 uh, would eliminate all collective bargaining for teachers, firefighters, and police officers in the state. Um, so you, they would no longer be able to, you know, collectively bargain for salary or benefits or anything like that. Under is that, that is that with federal law allow that? I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't think it would. Nice try. Nice try. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, but we may pass a law that says it doesn't apply to us. <laughs> do I don't like it. We're Oklahoma by God. Yeah. You know? We're a state of sovereign citizens, for God's sake. Oh, okay. Now, Clifton, I, I don't I you know, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I'm gonna put you on the spot. All right. <laughs> Tell me what the odds are in an election year that Olson's Jim Olson's proposed resolution personhood resolution makes it through the legislature and ends up on the ballot hmm that's a good one i i don't know because that's a double-edged sword right there putting sure something like is. that on the ballot I'm, i bet you there are a bunch of republicans who'd like that to go away right right but, so the people who vote in Republican primaries disproportionately, they love that stuff. Right, right. So, so yeah, if you can get it on the primary ballot, then I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's a coin flip at this point, right? So, but then you would also get so so wait, okay, so sorry, walk me through the requirements of it. The governor would decide which ballot it went on still. You know, the yes. legislature can refer directly to the ballot, can it not? Yes. And and it can specify, I think. I don't know that the governor has a say if the legislature approves it. So it could be a, a standalone issue? It could be a standalone ballot? Because, it boy, would it would sure suck if it went to the general ballot in November. Right. If it shows up on the general ballot, then, uh, yeah, that might be a... A different uh, different case. You you get a few challengers and a few races, and even the primary election could really suck too. You know, mm. right. yeah, they can refer that directly to the ballot. So, um, I don't know. Just from a timing perspective, uh, it, it would just I think depend on how long it would take to get through the legislature. If they mm. rush it through, they can probably get it on the primary ballot still. Um, but I mean, if they don't. It's, you know, it would have to show up on either the runoff or the more likely the general. And obviously part of this, part of his thinking, he's been, I think, pretty open about this, is that the notion that um, you got to figure out a way to control these dadgum Supreme Court justices here in Oklahoma who keep giving them fits on this issue. So well, let's that, just that's say one thing we saw legislation on to uh, dealing with uh Mm. nomination of supreme court justices mm. always time 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 honored mm -hmm. right. i mean let's just hope that they didn't pay attention to kansas right whenever kansas put you know their abortion legislation and got it enshrined uh on a on a on a ballot that had no reason for anyone to come out for other than you know like so all these people man wow that's not all right what what else are we missing? Anything? Any other doozies or things to know? There was there was an interesting one. I, I just I, I kind of found it interesting because it's not it doesn't seem to take you know a hard partisan stance, but at the same time, it's it's sort of one of those that admits, hey, you know, 
sorry, this is the best we could do here in the legislature. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> House Bill 3584 by uh, uh, Pi. Um, it okay. would include on a ballot uh, where there's uh, an open election, uh, a choice for voters to choose none of these candidates. So how, and so how that would work is you've got, you know, maybe a, um, a Democrat versus a Republican. So you could choose either one of those, or you could choose none of these candidates. And now when you choose that, it doesn't actually count towards any, anybody's total, right? So you're not going to, you know, decide the election between the Republican or the Democrat. It's basically you choosing to kind of sit out of it, but you get to register your unhappiness with, you know, uh, <laughs> the uh, individuals running. It so, seems like it'd it be would more be counted and reported as, hey, <laughs> this is how many people in this race voted for no one. That's, so that's kind of funny, actually, right? But like, yeah. <laughs> well, and that, you know, and I was, I just saw a thing today, as a matter of fact, from. Um, Representative Eric Roberts of Oklahoma City, he has introduced legislation that would uh, prohibit ranked choice voting in Oklahoma, which kind of ties into a little bit of, you know, this whole notion, none of the above. Um, and it would also send to the ballot uh, a, uh, a referendum um, so that, uh, you know, voters can only choose one candidate in each race, you know, again, an attempt to, to stop. So there must really be some nervousness that uh, that ranked choice voting is beginning to pick up steam, that people are beginning to feel like they have less and less of a voice in deciding our elections, whether it be because of gerrymandering or whatever it might be. And um, there must be some real concern uh, on the Republican side that this is the sort of thing that could upend what they've been, what they've built over the last 40 years. Yeah, there, there were actually a couple bills too, uh, dealing with that, uh, that would ban rank, rank choice voting out there. Uh, I recall, I think there was one in the Senate and maybe two in the House, something like that. It seems to me like um, the bigger threat would to be get rid of straight, straight party voting you know, sure. on the ballot. Like that is a much more immediate and easier to implement fix to a lot of our political woes, right? But instead of going after rank choice voting, which I'm like, oh, I, I inter interesting. You, you might may be surprised, but there's no uh, legislation dealing with uh, doing away with straight party voting. I Shocker. Shock. Yeah, total shock. <laughs> or <laughs> but, creating an independent redistricting commission, so. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, just let the guys who get the boot from a, a DUI be in charge of our redistricting anyway anyways sorry I'm, I'm being petty okay all right anything else before we go um arnold can you think i'm can you think of well we've been all over the map i mean there's yeah. just well, you know when they're always are, all over the map but well yeah but there are you know when there are two thousand plus <laughs> bills and resolutions and so forth you know out there uh, most of which won't see the light of day um it's kind of hard to know what to fixate on at this point, except I think we all agree that, you know, the old cliche, the devil's in the details is apt mm -hmm. when we're talking about tax cut proposals, the things that it really are potentially going to be meaningful this session. Mm -hmm. and, um, Floor subs, committee subs, shell bills, yeah. zombie bills from last session. Hi, my, my great Dane. Okay. Yeah. Hi. So, it, I mean, it could be, <laughs> I, I'm not sure they got fed for dinner. So that's why they're all suddenly like coming close to me. But, um, well, on that note, um, Clifton, it was great talking to you. I hope we can get you back. You guys, uh, the frontier, if, if people don't check out the frontier, they do amazing investigative reporting, um, on the number of issues that matter to all of us in the state. So I'm really glad we could grab you. Um, and uh, Clifton's always been top notch. Uh, we, we've known each other a while, it turns out. <laughs> um, but I'm so glad to see you today. Uh, best of luck to everything that you guys do. You have a, a session in front of you. So, yep. yep. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to see you. See you later.
Thank you for listening to this episode of ObserverCast. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and share our episodes far and wide on social media. If you're interested in sponsoring ObserverCast, please give Arnold Hamilton a call at 405-478-8700 or drop him an email at ahamilton at okobserver.org. You can also support ObserverCast with a tax-deductible donation to the Oklahoma Observer Democracy Foundation, whose mission is to help create a better, more informed Oklahoma. And to help keep us on the air, visit okobserver.org and click on the Donate button on the upper right side of the homepage. We also urge you to subscribe to the Oklahoma Observer, now in its 55th year of comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. We have a special digital subscription rate for ObserverCast listeners, only $1.99 a month for the first year. That's 50% off the usual rate for monthly digital subscribers. Just use the coupon code OBSERVERCAST when checking out to get the discount rate. And finally, we want to thank Jared Deck for the music you're listening to in the background here. He's not just a resident of Norman anymore. He is now the Oklahoma State Representative for House District 44. Congratulations, Representative Deck. We're so proud of you. But you can still download his albums at iTunes and learn more, including dates for any upcoming performances at jareddeathmusic.com.